This is the Bad Hops Podcast, a baseball podcast where we discuss everything but the box score. So if you're looking for Bud Black's career ejections or Bud Harrelson's all-star appearances, this is not the place. But if you're ready to feel that indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Butler. And I'm Jackie Micucci. And today, just like Queen Latifah, you can be my buddy anytime. Welcome to Bad Hops. Mark, why are you trying to make fetch a thing? Why am I trying to make fetch a thing? Because one of my heroes, one of my all-time heroes of, of my life made fetch a thing. And of course, if you couldn't guess it from the intro, I'm talking about Air Bud or Buddy Fram, if you're not as familiar with him as, as I am. It's all about the Bud, Bud. Welcome back to the Bad Hops Film Festival. I think we're going to do one of these a season, and we should apologize now. Mm-hmm. Because last year, I don't know, we're going to talk about that too. Last year, our first film in the film festival was John Goodman in The Babe. This movie is Air Bud in Air Bud Seventh Inning Fetch, which is a late arrival in the storied Air Bud series. Yeah, it also was a treat. It's technically a baseball movie, but we're going to get into that as well. You know, the one thing it had going for it was that it wasn't as long as The Babe. 91 red-hot minutes of tangled plot lines, multiple plot holes, people just literally losing interest in the scene that they were acting in. Or just chewing up the scenery until you had to give them the Heimlich maneuver because they were choking on it. So many storylines. I feel like it will actually take us like 10 hours to try to weave this tangled web together because we are logical people. We struggled with this film because we are logical people. And there's not a lot of logic that goes into the filmmaking choices of the director, the writer, or the actors. And we're not even talking about the dog playing baseball. Like that's just one part of a a lot of things that don't make sense. I honestly have no problem with the dog or the dogs. They were fine. They were very cute. But I think ultimately, if you boiled this down to a doggy sizzle reel, we'd probably be down to about eight minutes. Not only was there not a lot of baseball in this movie, there were also not a lot of dogs. They just a lot of weird quick cuts to like, oh, here's a dog doing something kind of related. I felt like the dog had a, a lot to do in this film. I felt like the dog held that family together. I mean... I think, Mark, first, you wanted to tell us a little bit more about the Air Bud franchise, because obviously everyone is familiar, I would think most people are familiar with the original Air Bud. There are a whole bunch of movies in this franchise. And in case you don't know, because I think this, the ship has sailed for the Air Bud series, as we'll, we'll kind of run through the list real quick. The first one came out in 1997, although apparently Air Bud was a real dog at one point. Uh, rest in peace, buddy, who actually appeared on the David Letterman show in the early 90s, That and he could play basketball. So someone in Hollywood, not originally Disney, but Disney picked up on the film after it was made, and, and so I think one of their subsidiaries jumped all over it. Airbud came out in 1997. Here's the through line on that movie. Josh meets an abused golden retriever and finds out he can play basketball. I have watched Air Bud. Jackie, I don't know if you watched the original Air Bud. 
I may have. It was years ago. I watched it with a sick kid, and we were up in the middle of the night, and it was sort of like, we'll watch whatever's on as long as it's rated G. The original movie was kind of a bummer. It was because I mentioned that Josh meets an abused golden retriever. Josh is a, I I think he's like maybe nine or ten at that point. he's, He's young. He's young. He's bummed out because his dad died and he misses his dad and his mom's remarried and that's okay. And but everything's a struggle. A lot of kids being mean to the kid whose dad died and kids being mean to a dog that played basketball. And it's like, wow, I thought this was going to be an uplifting cornball fest. And, and there is certainly a fair share of that. But I think by the time we get through the list, let me grace you with the sequels here. The next sequel, Airbud Golden Receiver. Josh's Golden Retriever learns to play American football. That That is the Wikipedia entry, I think, just to make sure it's specific. But it's I chuckle at this not because of the usual soccer football jokes, but even though this series is supposed to take place in Washington State, it is very clearly taking place in Canada or shot in oh, Canada. Yeah. It was shot in Vancouver, Canada. I looked specifically for the seventh inning stretch locations. And yes, the vast majority of it was filmed in Vancouver. But during that period of time, most things were filmed in Vancouver because it was cheaper. It was cheaper. And if you want to talk about a cheap looking movie, I would point you to any of the movies in the Airbud series. The third was Airbud World Pup, which I will admit I do really like that title. It's a good uh, one. It's, yeah. you know, it's a, you, that, that, that sounds like something you would come up with. I'm generous enough to say I like the title. However, after they show the title, there's another 90 minutes of that one, which I've refused to watch. Josh discovers that Buddy's ballplaying skills apply to soccer. I'm sort of sad that Buddy did not learn to play Canadian football because I think that would have been more site specific. You can't win them all. You really can't. I mean, and, you know, Bud is like Bo Jackson, right? He can he can play multiple sports. But he can't get a shoe deal, as far as I know. He probably oh, did get a shoe tough. deal. But, you know, the 90s were kind of a wild time. It's tough when you have paws, though. It's really tough. Those little shoes are tough to, tough to walk in and pause, from at least what I've been told. Told by a dog. Well, yeah. a, talk, a talking dog? A talking There's dog. A little That's a little foreshadowing that, there, are... too. Well, the fourth movie is the one we'll talk about today, and we'll get back to that in a in a little bit, but Airbud's seventh inning fetch. And if you were thinking that maybe they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for dog sports-related movies, you would be right, but you would also be wrong. Uh, trust me, the quality of this movie does suggest the bottom of the barrel it has been scraped, but they did keep going after this one. Uh, in 2003, the fifth and final Airbud movie airbud spikes back which is not about airbud giving people roofies well that got becoming like yeah becoming a, a dracula of some sort no he plays volleyball good for him that's that's very nice did you notice who one of the producers of the original airbud was did you did there, not. harvey weinstein is listed as one of the producers harvey weinstein well That could explain... I want to talk about the director of the movie in a little bit. Okay. Because there's some choice things that may have caught Harvey's attention to sign on to this movie uh, based on some of the past work of Robert Vince, the director. Uh, Okay. After Air Bud himself aged out to do this, 
the dog named Buddy was only in the first movie, and then they just got a bunch of golden retrievers to play his part, and and that's fine. That's I, I don't I'm not feeling cheated. It's like no, I only want to see the real dog. You know, well, you know, there's there are always stunt doubles. I mean, there's usually you know, yeah. Apparently, because old dogs aren't as fun as puppies, Disney and all of the producers pivoted to something called Air Buddies. And oh. that is kind of the franchise that is still kind of kicking around a little bit even today. Air Buddies focused on actual puppies, allegedly sired by Air Bud and his girlfriend, Molly. Oh, Air not... Bud has a girlfriend. Wow. Yes. Apparently, according to Air Bud canon, Molly appeared in World Pup, but then she was forgotten until it was they needed actual puppies to appear. Well, yeah, now, and then you would need a female dog for that, usually. Now, Jackie, I know you probably have not watched any of the Air Buddy movies or TV shows. I think there are a lot of straight-to-video vibes on on all of this stuff. Can you guess the special abilities of the Air Buddies, the, of the puppies? If Air Bud could play sports, what do you think these guys can do? Jeez, I don't know. Can one of them drive? Because that would be really cool. That would be amazing, but we all know that only cats can drive. That's true. Is there surfing? Maybe something water sports involved? Well, no, but you're on the right track. If your next guess was going to be, do they play sports? Yes, they do play sports. B-Dog is the pup who can play basketball. Butterball plays football. Rosebud plays soccer. Buddha plays baseball. And Mudbud plays volleyball. So, so it's just the same sports that they have the movies around, right? No, no. Are you not paying attention? These are puppies. It's the same thing that some puppies are playing the, the, the sports <laughs> that the movies are. I mean, you think they would have, like, branched out and given them, you know, something a little different, but... Yeah, like X-Bud that only does, like, X-Game stuff or, or UFC fighting sort of stuff. And, if you like, want to attract the kids, you got to, like, yeah, have the X-Game, have them surfboard have them you know skateboard bmx i mean come on yeah skiing or snowboarding like geez let's branch out a little bit yeah or esports could you imagine an e oh, a, an air bud esports <laughs> movie where the dog is just like slapping the controller with his paw as he uh eats a big box of milk bones yeah now i'm going to give you partial credit for guessing the abilities of the air buddies can, but can you guess the other special ability that the puppies have in this series the ability to warm your heart oh well that is true that was not the answer i was looking for but i will I give you 100 percent so. on that one jackie these puppies can talk oh oh that creepy yes that creepy talking thing that they do, do they do they make their lips move or is it just like you know them just kind of looking like they're chewing on something i think it looks like they're chewing on something i, okay. I don't yeah i think the i think the actual like sort of manipulation of animal lips is sort of left to like creepy commercials these days i don't know with cgi i feel like it's gotten worse but then they just be you know what they just be computer generated exactly yeah, if you felt like the original Air Bud series ran out of ideas, and trust me, after watching Seventh Inning Fetch for about five minutes, it felt like they were running out of ideas. So, so it's like, let's have talking puppies. That's a big go forward. Air Buddies, Patrick Cranshaw, who is probably one of my favorite people in this movie because mm -hmm. he's the he's the old timey sheriff. Right. Um, you would also know him as Blue 
from old school, um, and more importantly, as Jennifer Coolidge's husband in Best in Show, the yeah. old codger with the ginormous mustache that seemed like he was in the grips of senility. I think that was his specialty as a as an actor. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot. I mean, I went on on his IMDb page, as I did to a number of the cast of this movie. And yeah, he's just a character actor who's been in a million things. Although I do, I do believe he passed away, I think, in the early aughts. Maybe yes. soon after, may, maybe soon after Seventh Inning Fetch, if I recall. Well, I am sorry to tell you that Air Buddies, the original Air Buddies movie, uh-huh. which would have been 2005, 2006, was Patrick Cranshaw's last role. Oh, that's kind of sad that that was his last role. And, and also, also speaking of tragedy, comedy becoming tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, Air Buddies was also Don Knotts' last role. Oh, wow. Jeez. So, Air, Air Buddies, what <laughs> have you done? Air Buddies. Air Buddies goes to the assisted living. Gee whiz, I didn't mean to kill anybody. Woof, woof. Don't quit your day job. No, I think I actually could get a job as in the voice cast of Air Buddies, but I'm not going to cross a picket line, so... No, we don't. Well, we don't, won't be doing that, no. Okay, that's the rundown of the Air Bud series. Why don't we take a quick little break, and then let's dig into possibly the best movie you or I have seen all year featuring a dog playing baseball. <laughs> Marker, are you ready to get into the seventh inning fetch? I'm ready to purge my notebook of all of the pages of the, I think the 10 pages of notes that I took while watching this movie that are basically all start with, oh no. <laughs> wow, you took a lot more notes than I did. I um, I made some, I made some little bit of notes because I, I, I kind of just wanted to go with the flow. I'm going to go deep into some details in a little bit, but I think we'll kind of follow the chronology of the movie as we dig into this. And then I've got some, I've got some metaphysical questions uh, as, as one would expect uh, from watching a movie clearly designed for kids with short attention spans. Clearly. And clearly the, um, you know, the budget for this thing I think was spent probably on the dog training. Yes, absolutely. Let's spitball a little bit. Okay. get, Get some baseball in early. Because you know who doesn't get baseball in early? It's seventh inning fetch. It doesn't. It takes a while. You're right. It's a buildup to get to baseball. I actually wrote this down because it bugged me so much. I wrote early on, when does the baseball start? 24 minutes into the movie, do we actually see anyone get on a diamond or pick up a ball? No, there are a lot of, and I will say in general, there are a lot of montages in this this movie, and it is only a 90-minute movie, and there are a number of montages, and it kind of starts, well, not so much with a montage, but do we want to talk a little bit about who's in, who else is in this movie? Well, yeah, I think if you're making a movie about a dog that plays baseball, Jackie, what what are your ingredients for success? What What would you think? Should be included a dog. Uh, that, a dog. Uh, that that would be first and foremost. I mean, a uh, dog that plays baseball. You you want well, maybe a baseball player or two. How about ten? Does t- about ten baseball players sound good? That makes sense to me. That's all you need. Maybe a, a sort of absurdly large emphasis on basketball. Also, would that be? Would you want to? That would that would make that? sense. There was a lot of basketball in this movie. There was a lot of. Various, I guess they were the progeny of Buddy 
that were uh, yeah, just I, randomly around the town playing basketball or other a variety of sports. But yeah, yeah I think the, the first time Buddy does play basketball initially before we, we he, find out his yeah, other uh, abilities. Buddy wanders through the city square and there's a pickup game going on and uh, his progeny shooter is a, a mainstay of, of the pickup games. And so, uh, but Bud does drop by and sinks a, a two-pointer. So yeah, it's still yeah, his favorite sport, you know, let's he's, you know, he, he taught yeah. him everything he knows. So we've got a dog that plays, well, we've got at least one, more than one dog that plays sports at this point. Baseball players, uh, mopey teenagers. Should we put mopey some teenagers? Mopey te- have, yeah, middle, mopey middle schoolers. Oh, yes. Well, junior high. Junior high. I, junior. It I was junior it, high. Again, very Canadian uh, influence. I don't know. I went to junior high, too. So Did you? Okay. Yes. I went to middle school, but I went to middle school in America. I don't know about you. I mean, it was in New York, which is, you know, original America. I yeah. know people don't like to think of it that way, but it actually is. <laughs> I mean, to me, New York is just Southern Ontario. So sure. That's I mean, true. Southern Ontario. Yeah. And it was the very Canadian, lots of Canadian influence in this and not just, uh, it, not just uh, the fact be- because it was filmed there, but a lot of the cast was Canadian too. Yes. I'm trying not to be critical, Jackie, of your, mm-hmm. your thought process here, because I do have the greatest respect for you. Uh, that's okay. why we do this podcast together. But I asked you, what would you include in a movie about a dog that played baseball? And you have not yet said evil scientists. I have not. And yes, the or and I didn't also say an evil scientist with a raccoon who is one of his helpers. And you yes. know, how, how cliche is it that the raccoons, of course, get cast as being evil? It's those little bandit eyes that they have. That's what that's all about. Actually, felt like there were a lot of parallels between that raccoon storyline and Rocket storyline in Guardians Three, uh, mm-hmm. a movie that I would go see again. Unlike <laughs> Air Bud's seventh inning fetch, but yeah, an evil scientist with a ra- raccoon and a idiot henchman. Well, yes, it was like you know Pinky and the Brain esque type of situation with a raccoon, of course. Highly derivative of any number of monster movies, cartoons, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, I think that really completes what I was hoping for in a movie about a dog that plays baseball. Could we get an evil scientist and a henchman and a raccoon? So in that respect, the movie's perfect. Let's not overdo it. Let's let several scenes pass by before we revisit any of the evil scientist storyline. And, and you know, I um, looked down for a second and might have missed like, if there was something DNA related, why they wanted to steal the dogs. I couldn't, we didn't really get heavily into that. It's kind of mentioned in the very beginning. And then, yes, well, I did write this down. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Cause I, I, I certainly was, it, it just, I, I assumed the plot would, the plot point would come up again, but it really doesn't. When the sinister music started playing in the trailer park. And of course the mm-hmm. first thing I thought of was Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone, which was actually another good wow. movie that I would watch again. Wow. That's a stretch when you're talking about this movie, but <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> a rising tide lifts all ships. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yes, when I heard the sinister music, I knew something was afoot. And of course, because it's a Disney adjacent movie, uh, that was a heavy cue to be ready to be introduced to the villains. And the lead scientist says something about being able to extract the super sports gene from the Airbud and his progeny. Uh, and then they can sell that to 
pro athletes. And then the scene ends, and then there's like literally not another mention nope. of the super sports gene. Nope. Except for the fact that they do have to kidnap all of the dogs. Right. You you don't need to kidnap just one dog. Uh, you would think but Buddy would be the one they'd want to kidnap because he's the original Air Bud there. But no, you've got to get all the dogs for some unknown reason. And just that, just literally a bluntly stated reason, and then then there's nothing. But then we get to the meat of the story, which is, you would think, a dog playing baseball, but it's actually Josh is going to college. Oh, Josh, you're all grown up and you're going to college. You're going to UW. You're going to the University of Washington. Yeah, taking the bus all the way from Fernfield, Washington, where he grew up. Where Fernfield, everything is possible. Where everything is possible. <laughs> including the most ludicrous plot lines. At this point, Jackie, we agreed that we would watch this movie separately in a vacuum. So Mm -hmm. we would not, because for one thing, we would stop the movie and we'd start talking and we'd never finish it. No, it would take take us like six, seven hours to watch a 90-minute movie. (laughs) And this, so this was essentially... You and I putting each other in time out. And we have to watch pretty this much, by ourselves. Pretty much punishing ourselves because that's what we do when it, co- when it comes to uh, watching movies for the Bad Hops podcast. But when the very angsty, very lengthy Josh is going to college storyline surfaces, mm-hmm. I did send you a text and I said, I know I was joking when I said we, sh- we need to watch all of these movies in order to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, they were trying to cram in a lot of continuity from past movies. Josh, as I mentioned earlier, is the kid that originally found Air Bud and they played basketball together and kids made fun of them, but they still succeeded and they won the championship. Um, And so I think there was probably enough of a Josh fan base that they needed to know, well, where is Josh? Because he's not at his house where the dog lives. So they, they sent him off to UW and no, it's you dub. Get it right. No, you You live in this area, you have to say you have to call it you dub. You know, I'm trying to think Sorry. of how they would pronounce it in Canada. He was off to Simon Fraser University. <laughs> so we're introduced to Josh, and then they we quickly get rid of Josh because I think there was no room for a 25-year-old actor to play. A high school kid once again, but this gives us time to meet his wonderful sister, Andrea. I'm you're not going like... to say a goddamn thing about Andrea, and you're going to leave me hanging to talk about possibly one of the most unlikable <laughs> characters I've ever seen I mean, in a movie. You know, she was not that unlikable. I mean, she's a what? She's a 13, 14-year-old girl. We're all unlikable at that age. And you know what? I- I've never met a middle schooler who was who was incredibly likable. But yeah, oh, so she's fair. going off to middle school. She's got her quirky best friend who they're BFFs for life kind of thing going on. And But she's sad because Josh is leaving. Yeah. But Josh did, by the way, offer his room up to her, which was really interesting because, I don't know, Mark, I've gone away to college. You usually come back. You know, there's usually usually have to come back during, you know, winter break and summer break. It's not like you're there for most people the whole time. So I would think I would need my room. We do find out later that there will be a room for Josh. They're going to build him a a room above the garage like that's, you know, he's going to have his his own pad above the garage. But like 
that gets kind of thrown in later because it's uh, maybe someone realized how ridiculous it was to give away someone's uh, like, uh, you know, a kid in his freshman year who's going off to college is bedroom. This is, but she doesn't it, want it, which is, by the way, the most yeah. unreal, one of the more unrealistic plot points. Like, you don't want my giant bedroom. I just want it to be the way it is. I mean, he's not dead. He's just going to UW. Yeah. Or UW if you're in Canada. I did like the kid on the bus to that was leaving to Seattle that had a stuffed husky on his head because that's what we all do here in Seattle, especially when we're over in the U district and 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 near the campus of UW. Well, we, he was decked head to toe in husky gear. Yeah, he was all about it. We never saw that kid again. No, we actually didn't. We Josh's really didn't. Was friend. he Josh's best friend? Who? Well, well, Josh isn't in it that much. It's all about yeah. Andrea and her best friend Tammy. I do want to say I'm going to stick up for my Andrea is incredibly unlikable because Fernfield, Washington, did you get the impression that maybe, I don't know, town of about 500 people, it, everybody knows everybody, right? Everybody knows everything. It's very idyllic. They had an old timey gas station. There yeah. seemed to be farming there as well. I A, it, An ethnically run barbershop. <laughs> An ethnic, like an Italian, like an Italian, like stereotypical hey, you, Italian silly. guy running the Italian, <laughs> running the barber shop. Like I don't know. I've been in some small town areas outside of the big city in Washington State, and nothing is really hit like that. And and of course, I guess where I'm going with this is everybody in Fernfield, Washington knows Buddy. Well, of course. Like literally, everybody is calling out to the dog as he's running through the park. It's like it's Bud. Hey, it's Buddy. The you know. Fusilli, who owns the barbershop. Hey, mama me, it's a bear bud. Oh, God. <laughs> we we see Andrea and Tammy on their first day of junior high school in the cafeteria. You jumped ahead from the whole, like, okay, I can see wh- why Andrea is a pain in the butt. Because Josh, her her brother, who she loves so much, is going off to college, right? And But she hides. She doesn't want to say goodbye to him. So what do they do? Josh is like, he's got to make his bus. He's going to miss his bus. So they're like, says, buddy, go find Andrea, who is hiding in the washing machine. Wasn't there a Blossom episode about that? Oh, no, that was the refrigerator. Sorry. The One of the few scenes I did not make notes on was that Andrea was hiding in the washing machine. So she didn't have to say goodbye to Josh, who clearly wanted to do anything he could to make her happy uh except i guess not leave was the one thing he wouldn't do well i mean you know which then uh that inspired a frantic chase uh on bikes which i think was actually a critical plot setup to see that uh andrea even though she's 13 years old she is a tour de france level cyclist because she could, she could, she could outrun a bus. Girl has legs. She can, yeah, she can uh, outpedal a bus. She could uh, outrun evil scientists in yeah. their. Uh, well, weird we 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 can car. get to that. Yeah, know, we will. I, we I'm just, you know, listen. Just because they didn't put foreshadowing in doesn't mean I can't. But that's true. You go, you go ahead and put that foreshadowing in. So yes, we have this lengthy bus chase. Ultimately, Bud stops the bus by running in front of the bus and standing in front of it. And, and I know the, that's the a, end of end of Buddy. That could have been the, the movie ends right there. Bud gets like squished underneath the bus. It's just tragic. Josh decides not to go to college. Andrea decides she has to is in therapy now for the rest of her life because she killed beloved Bud by by not saying goodbye to Josh. That would have been I mean I would have watched that movie. That movie would yeah. have been 
more interesting. And, and I guess it is important also to, because of this weird bus stopping thing, Josh got off and was able to say goodbye to Andrea. And then he gave her his prized possession, mm-hmm. the watch owned by his dead father, Andrea's dead father as well. Although Andrea keeps referring to it as Josh's watch, which... Yes, I, which I is, well, yeah, that, I, that was confusing, right? It was their dad's watch that Josh had, and then Josh gave it to her and suddenly became Josh's watch. But I did, it did remind me of that uh, Tarantino movie, the, the famous one that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction with the whole thing with the watch <laughs> and how his father, <laughs> like where he can like, my father carried this watch up his... But made it so. I thought about that. That also would have made the the plot point more don't, interesting. Don't you dare too. accuse me of elevating this movie beyond its its feeble ninety one minutes. <laughs> it's true. But anyway, that's where my mind went. But like, but do continue about Josh's uh, watch. Obviously, and I know you do the same thing that I do, just like Andrea does, just like all of our listeners do. If you get a prized possession. What you will do is Velcro it sloppily to the outside of your backpack. In fairness, though, it is a move that a 13 or 14-year-old girl would or boy would do. Like, a, a 13 or 14-year-old kid would do something that stupid. So that I don't find quite as out of character. Okay. I concede this point. It yeah. is accurate, and I guess, again, it serves a plot point that gets revisited many, many minutes more than an hour later that it's like oh right she velcroed the thing to the outside of her backpack right we go through all of this as i was mentioning i did find andrea unlikable and the junior high kids of fernfield also backed me up on this because even though everybody knows buddy everybody knows her family No one is talking to to Andrea or Tammy in the lunchroom of the cafeteria, and they all seem to kind of be, like, laughing at her and giggling. Now, listen, I went to middle school. I know what it's like to be, like, paranoid and insecure, and you think everybody hates you, even the people that are, like, hugging you. It's like, oh, they hugged me kind of funny. I don't know if they like me or not. But to be treated like a brand-new kid in town, it just is weird. Yeah, that was strange. That was strange. Like, why just, I mean, I realized, you know, it's their first year at junior high and maybe there's some hazing going on, but I would think just because of Buddy, people know who they are. I would think at this point, this family is a group of conquering heroes. I can't believe that there's anything where at the end of World Pup that uh, there was a gambling scandal or a a game-fixing thing where buddy blew it and everybody hates them now no it's like i would think that josh's little sister would be instantly one of the most popular kids at school it's an attractive girl too i mean so there was that i mean just from a really superficial standpoint like well put together there was definitely a sequence there when she was trying to figure out what to wear to school i i enjoyed that Sure, because uh, they've never done that in a tween or teen movie before. Not at all. You have to do it. It's mandatory because, of yeah. course, like, what am I going to wear my first day of school? And to be honest, the first outfit was what she should have gone with. But anyway, that was to sh- that was kind of to highlight the point that her parents are preoccupied because there's a new baby in the house. There's baby Noah, which, by the way, Mark, baby Noah was actually pay- played by twin girls. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. The- the first progressive uh, moment of the of the movie, although actually the as we get into the baseball segment of the movie, and you'll notice that we have not talked about the baseball we segment of the movie because we're still 
going through we, the preamble of Airbud seventh inning fetch, but good for baby Noah. And yeah. Yeah. There you go. I think it's time to get to baseball. Okay. Do, do you want to take a break and then get into baseball? Sure. Just like the movie did. All right, Mark, are you ready for some baseball? I am, and my favorite kind of baseball played by kids that don't really seem to know anything about the game or care about it. From a timing perspective, and I guess we should get into the fact that, okay, so what's happening here is that Tammy and Andrea decide they need to sign up for extracurricular activities. And the extracurricular activities include gymnastics, home economics, which I never realized was an extracurricular activity, band, and baseball. Mark, it's September. The baseball season does not begin in September. This, like, like I don't understand. Shouldn't they be even going out for, like, basketball or football or something? I think that was covered by Josh in earlier Air Bud movies. So, yes, oh, really? we, uh, well, don't know if oh, you know. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. I thought you meant this, like, why the season was askew. Yes, of course. But oh, yeah, I don't do not know what the Fernfield School District's junior athletics programming is. But yes, baseball in September. Sure. Why not? Exactly. And not just baseball, but co-ed baseball. That well, again, was, babe, first baby Noah, and now Coach Crenshaw, a lady coach. A lady coach who, by the way, I was like, she was so familiar. She was on Seinfeld. She played Sister Roberta on Seinfeld. And she oh, is the Kavorka episode. The Kavorka episode, because I was like, her voice sounds really familiar. So I looked up her IMDb. And she's played actually in a, a lot of TV series and movies and whatever. But that's that's the one that I remembered her from. Now, Jackie, unfortunately, you have spent more time uh, building up Molly Hagen, the actress's resume, mm -hmm. than the filmmakers of Air Bud explained who the hell this lady coach is. Doesn't um, matter. She's, she seems very capable, but she's it, she's just the coach. You know how you know she's the coach? She's got a baseball hat on. Got a baseball hat. She's very sporty, right? That's how yeah. you know. She's very sporty, so she's got to be the baseball coach. So very progressive town though so far. Yeah, Fernfield it's okay, yeah. you know. I I Everything all, is possible. <laughs> except all of the adults seem to be horrible to a lot of the kids in general. Coach Crenshaw they was do. the first uh, person that worked at the junior high that was actually nice to any of the kids. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the so, teacher, the math teacher is a math teacher that makes a brief appearance who of course cuz she's a math teacher so she's very stern and buttoned up. I suspect she's also a callback to earlier movies because they did uh, say something about that Josh had her as a teacher. Okay, so. okay that, that makes sense. So she was making a cameo in this. Yes. Okay. Now we're at a point of divergence in this movie that I think could have been a great baseball movie. Tammy is yeah. a natural. Tammy is great. I love Tammy. Tammy is like maybe my favorite character in the movie. I know. Tammy's pretty pretty darn awesome. I mean, a movie about Tammy making the all-boys baseball team and putting them to shame would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, Tammy, just this little Canadian girl that um, I, I think I kind of wanted to buy a Frosty from. <laughs> she did kind of have that vibe, didn't she? Kind of little, little Wendy-esque. A little, little Wendy-esque, for sure. But she was a natural. She was a great hitter. She was a not just a good catcher, but she seemed to be a good game caller. Mm -hmm. I would have loved the Tammy story, but because Tammy is the quirky best friend of Andrea, now we get the Andrea story. 
Quirky best friends are always the most interesting, way more interesting than the lead. Doesn't matter who the lead is. Give me the quirky best friend. They literally had nine kids on their baseball team. That's it. Nine nine kids try out, and then Tammy, being the good quirky best friend, begs Coach Crenshaw to put Andrea on the team to the point of where she says, I won't play if you don't put Andrea on the team. Now, of course, any good t-ball coach would essentially say, I will always make a spot on the bench your best friend well i mean and they could have had like so they could have explained that away i like they did in the the bad news bears she could have been like the manager right like she could have been like you know helping with the lineups helping with you know cleaning up or whatever so they could have explained it that way but they didn't so now if tammy doesn't play there's only eight kids on the team I know the the amount like that like the the numbers were just like that blew my mind. I'm like I don't understand. I also don't understand why they're the only two girls on this team because I found that pretty far fetched. Like if it was going to be a co-ed team, why was it just Tammy and, and Andrea? Why weren't well, there also, no other girls? So we need to talk about Randy a little yes. bit. Can we do? We have time to talk about Randy? Sure. Let's talk about Randy. Randy is the prototypical jerk face kid. He's I think was probably considered the best pitcher on the team. Mm-hmm. A number of allusions to the fact that his arm is shot <laughs> at 13. At 13, you know, it's all over, kid. It's all yeah, over. He, Tommy John for you at the end of the season. Yeah, but national health care, so and it's okay in Canada. That's true. Uh, <laughs> can have as many uh, Tommy John surgeries as you need. So let's go back to this math. There's eight kids on the team if Tammy doesn't get Andrea to join. So it's either eight kids or 10 kids. Tammy gets selected. Coach Crenshaw agrees begrudgingly to put Andrea on the team. Randy is incredibly resentful. Apparently, Randy would rather have eight kids play every game than to have the best hitter in all of the tryouts join the team. Now, it's never said, as far as I could tell, it was never said because she's a girl. No. Heavily, I think heavily insinuated. It's implied, yeah. It's implied, yeah. Yeah, baked in sexism. I mean, it was 19... Uh, or no, it was 2002. It was filmed in 2001, but yeah, yeah, it came out in 2002. Randy resents the fact that Andrea is on the team, but he even resents more that Tammy is on the team. Now, I get that if somebody else got bumped mm-hmm. from the team, or you know, if Randy's best friend got bumped or something like that, then sure, that's an issue. But man, he hates the fact that Tammy's on the team. And that's, well, because this comes up later, too. It does. But I think that might be also also a jealousy thing, right? Because Tammy really know, can play. And I think I'm guessing that he was the best player until Tammy showed up. So, I mean, some misogyny there for sure. Very light touch misogyny. But he might have hated anyone who came in that was uh, an outsider that was better than him. That And again, it looks like these guys have been playing together forever, like, I don't understand. Again, like, are these new people? Um, is it like seventh, eighth, ninth graders? You know, Mick, uh, that's probably what it would have been. But I don't know. I, I'm getting into details that obviously no one else thought about. Yes, because we watched this as a baseball movie, not as a cute dog movie. Exactly. So we were looking at it through the lens of this makes zero sense. I mean, the dog aside, like that was, like I said, the least uh, fantastical thing. <laughs> Yes. And by the way, speaking of the cute dog, because it felt like we were delinquent in getting to the baseball part, although we we're kind of on on pace yeah, with the movie. Yeah. When does Air Bud play ball? And I wrote this down too. 35 minutes into the movie, he catches a ball uh, yeah. and then then kind of disappears. I also do yeah, want to say, 
<laughs> maybe this is 2001 talking, but uh, okay. when, when Tammy pleads for Andrea to join the team, she does tell the coach she's my BFF. That's mm-hmm. best friend forever. This movie was literally annotated in case you didn't know what BFF meant. But, you know, it's 20 years ago. Maybe they didn't know. I mean, and also, you know, she's the the coach. She's a teacher. Sometimes they can be a little out of touch. I don't know. She's an adult. I don't know what those youths are getting up to. Canadian coaches just don't understand. They really don't. So it appears that we see the team has now been cemented. Tammy is on. Andrea is on. And oh yeah, evil scientists. It's been a while. Oh uh, yes, that's right. They they do they they make an appearance from time to time. About thirty minutes after we first meet them, uh, they kidnap Shooter, the basketball dog. That was fast. They just basically they threw some keys. The raccoon ran out to go get the keys. The dog sees the raccoon, chases it back to the car, gets in the car. He's kidnapped, and no one notices. That the dog that they're playing basketball with just leaves. (laughs) And can we just talk about the car, too, because it comes up that they're driving in? It is like the most conspicuous car. It is it is a an old blue. I don't know what kind of car it is, but it has a very European like hatchback thing. Exactly. And it has the license plate mini me on it. So, I mean, you don't even have to you know, write down a number if you were to spot it. So, yeah, very, very, very implausible that no one would notice this car. Well, enough of the evil scientist subplot because that's boring. That's, it's boring. And oh. also, quite honestly, it doesn't take up that, that much of the movie. You know, it would be awesome at this point is a yeah. training montage. And you see all the players kind of come together and they learn their skills on the field and and the music kind of like gets you like all hyped up and everything. So montages. Uh, yeah, but not a training montage. They actually go straight from um, posting who's on the team to their first game. Exactly. Yes, they did. Exactly. There's no there's no more training. There's no yeah, there's a sign up sheet, the infamous sign up sheet. And of course, Andrew made the team. Yeah, you know, the eight nine people on that side. I've never seen such a short list of uh, of players signed up for a baseball team in my life. It was literally half a page. Our friend Shane uh, grew up in a, a small enough town in Kansas that, uh, although he did just tell us that there were two high schools in his very small town, uh, but one uh, played eight man football. So I guess you do you adapt if you don't have a lot of kids around. I guess so. I guess so. Sure. So we get to meet Mailman Phil. Oh, the, I forgot uh, about the mailman. Yeah, the sort of besotted uh, mailman slash play-by-play announcer for Fernfield Community Radio. I mean, there were, between him and I know you're going to get into the uh, the umpire, were they competing for who could overact the most? Because it certainly felt that way. And I'm assuming they were trying to be, they thought, like this caricature of an announcer and an umpire was funny, but... I don't know, man. Maybe it played well with the five-year-olds. I want to talk about, and this is this is more of a film issue than a baseball issue, but it's, okay. the, film, it's the film festival. But I think this is a good time to talk about just how spackled on some of these addenda to the to the film were. The person who I named OCD umpire, who mm-hmm. is always uh, brushing the plate with his broom, yes. uh, appears in numbers of scenes and always like hamming up. And, and also, you're out of here, which yeah. to me does not imply that you've struck out, but that you're being thrown out of the game. 
I think he actually said that to somebody who was tagged out at third. But he also says it during a strikeout or two. So that yeah. like that was his thing. So I was like, this makes zero sense. Now, this guy was really starting to rub me the wrong way. We, so we we see him at the first game of the season, which is where we're at now. And it's very interesting. If you're watching the, um, I guess what would be called the long shot of the, uh, from behind the pitcher throwing to the batter, uh, it's a different umpire behind home plate. Oh, you a little continuity. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chunky uh, gray haired man. Uh, and so the, Oh, the person I called OCD umpire, but appears in the credits only as funny ump. Yes, I did notice that funny ump. Yeah, funny should have been in quotations. <laughs> funny as, ump. If, as if you weren't sure what to think of this guy. Oh no, he was the funny, he funny was ump. The, not the not the serious ump. So he only appears in cutaway scenes, except maybe there's yes. one yes, or two things where you see him with another player. Right. But there's so many people who appear in this movie without anyone else. Now, they do lots of cutaway shots of Air Bud reacting. Right. But you, you know, can kind of understand that because it's a dog, but the people, I mean, it's already disjointed, but it makes it feel even more disjointed. So we meet the OCD ump. We meet Mailman Phil, who is the play-by-play announcer. And at the first game of the season, he does interrupt the game early to say that Shooter is missing. I will say they also put up flyers, and I do greatly appreciate this. And I miss I miss this about movies. Uh, I will I'm going to give you Sheriff Bob's phone number in case you know where Shooter is. You can okay. reach Sheriff Bob at five five five. Of course, zero one four nine. That's five 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 zero one four nine. I'm going to call. I miss, him. I miss those five 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 numbers. It feels like they've actually started using real numbers in other situations a little bit more. The other thing about Shooter being kidnapped is that at some point. Andrea notices the sign and I can't like again with a continuity like I can't figure out like when this has happened because several games have passed so it's like yes. did no one real I mean this is a small town and someone's dog went missing no one is concerned or upset like you just realizing this for the first time especially since there was an announcement on the PA I think Andrea learns shooter is missing which <laughs> during the middle of a game when she goes to get a hot dog at the concession yep. stand Yep. And, she's, and she sees the flyer. Doesn't seem to rattle her too much. And she's just like, oh, Shooter's missing. Like, it's not a big deal. I think this is a good point for me to digress a little bit and okay. talk about the multiverse that's happening within Airbud's seventh inning fetch because we're talking about the tragic event of Shooter going missing and, and it not really seemed to rattle too many people. And yeah, it, I think maybe a week had passed at this point from the dog getting kidnapped to actually putting the flyer up, even though the basketball players literally noticed he was gone within like two minutes. In talking about the multiverse, I am a sucker for this device in movies, which is the spin in newspaper. Do you love, love a good spinning newspaper? I love a good spinning newspaper. The newspaper, instead of just having a lot of like empty copy or like, you know, kind of blah, 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 lorem, ipsum, like whatever, these are really fully written articles about the things that are happening on the screen. The Fernfield Gazette, and I'm going to read because I freeze frame this. I figured this is, you would freeze frame it. This, I is just, the, this is exactly what I do. This is what you need. The headline reads, Tammy leads T-Wolves to victory. Now, the, unsurprisingly, Tammy, the natural player, 
that's all you need to take away from that scene. No one else freeze framed this thing. And of but. course, Tammy doesn't have a last name. They're just, you know, it's just Tammy. It's like Beyonce or Cher. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. She's that good, Jackie. Which is, you and know, it is reason- a small town. So, you know, how many Tammies could there be in Fernfield? That's what Fern, Fernfield, Fernfield, Washington, where Fernfield, Washington, possible. where everything is possible. Where, sorry, where everything I know. Is I possible. thought the same thing is where everything is possible. Get Tammy, right. you're right. Tammy does not have a last name. Uh, Air Bud is known as Bud, Air Bud, Buddy, and Buddy Fram. So mm-hmm. he's known by any number of identities, but someone somewhere could not literally be bothered to give Tammy a last name. No. I'm going to read you a recap of this story of the first game of the season. The Fairfield Junior High Timberwolves are off to a great start this season. At this year's opener, Tammy led the team to victory in unabashed style. Of course. Early in the game with Randy on second, Tammy hit a dinger, bringing in two runs that set the feisty Timberwolves off to a great start. Okay, that's fine. That's yeah. you. You represent Tammy. You you establish mm-hmm. quickly. It. She got the. She also was on the headline. But elsewhere in the article, it states that Fairfield took a four zero lead in the second, despite Andrea giving up three runs, four hits, and two walks as a starter. Now we've already established Andrea has already gone to the hot dog stand because she has nothing to do. But in the multiverse that exists within the Fernfield Gazette. Andrea started the game and did very poorly, as we one might expect. But I Andrea, t- Andrea doesn't get plugged into the game until there's an injury. It's the multiverse, Jackie. You okay. watched one thing. I'm, I'm now reading I'm, the newspaper. You're reading I'm, the newspaper as well. Okay, fair, yeah. fair. Are you calling fake news on the Fairfield I'm calling Gazette. fake news on the Fairfield Gazette. I mean, I don't know. We didn't get to meet the newspaper editor, which I'm actually kind of sad that that's, that that's person true. wasn't in the stands. We did get one half-assed paperboy toss on, onto the uh, gutter of the driveway. We did, and I was trying to think if newspapers were pe- newspaper boys were still a thing in two thousand one. But for comedic purposes, yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. So Andrea, according to this newspaper article, now remember the movie you watched. <laughs> Andrea was on the bench. She was not in this game at all. On the bench, getting hot dogs. Yeah. Well, she only got one out before Randy came in. Now, I could under, actually understand Randy being more resentful if the girl that doesn't know how to play baseball. Oh, it's also been very well established. She can't catch, hit, throw anything. Right. So that's who you want on your baseball team. So yeah. I, I understand Randy being salty about her being on the team, especially since, you know, they can only have eight or nine people. Quoting directly from the, this article in the Fernfield Gazette about the first game of the season, mm-hmm. Andrea's record after the first game of the season <laughs> is okay. she's not, She's now two and five. After the first game, so she got five at bats. No, I think her it's her pitching record. She's oh her pi- two, oh she's pitching two yeah two two wins so five losses. I, I didn't notice her pitching until after the montage of her learning how to play baseball thanks to Buddy. So again, again it's the multiverse. I'm sorry, the it's mul- the multiverse. The, the, mul- the multiverse. So Seemingly maybe also- this was like a, a script that they were going with. Or they actually weren't counting on uh, yeah, they weren't I, counting on I, people freeze-framing it. They weren't but counting on me. you know what? You could still do it with a VCR. You could. There were things That's we true. freeze-framed back in the day. So. so I mentioned in this game that she never played in. Andrea gave up uh, four hits and two walks. Guess what? One of the walks was uh-huh. to Tammy. 
She apparently walked her own teammate. She walked her. I, I don't know. How, how does that work? Wow. So, wow. Okay. So, according to this article, Andrea did apparently get a hit because it said all Timberwolves got one. It also said that the Timberwolves played the Stallions and the Bears in this game. Wow. And, I mean, uh, you know, if this wasn't in 2001, I would have I would have sworn that ChatGPT might have written this. It did actually sort of seem, seem like it got backfilled by ChatGPT. I want to go back and reemphasize the headline okay. that was on the front page of the Fernfield Gazette. Tammy leads T-Wolves to victory. So that was on the front page of the newspaper, the Fernfield Gazette, on September 12th, 2001. Ah, they were playing after September 11th, huh? So they were playing on September 11th, but apparently Tammy's leadership was so impressive that the Fernfield Gazette bumped any other world events probably to the, like, the second section of the paper. Well, everyone was, you know, it, it was happening in New York, so nobody cared. It wasn't like it was a major world event that occurred and stopped many things from happening. But like you said, it's the multiverse. 9-11 never happened yeah. in uh, Fernfield, Washington. <laughs> yeah, and apparently a parallel universe where Tammy is like unto a god. I mean, yes. Wow. Now, again, this is multiversal thinking, but I will say that immediately after that newspaper spun, and I, I do trust a spinning newspaper. I, as you should. Uh, uh, mailman Phil did say on Fernfield Community Radio, Tammy is solidifying herself as the best player on the team. I don't know. Maybe Tammy could have stopped 9-11 from happening. I think she could have. And why didn't she? This is another story that they could have focused on instead of Andrea being sad about Josh. Okay, well, wow. That's quite the article. So much going on there that, wow. If it wasn't for that fun calendar fact, I might have blown off this multiversal newspaper thing, but my goodness, September 12th, 2001, some newspapers didn't come out that day. Yeah, and most of them printed other things. And besides the fact that the only people that the baseball league that was going on during that period of time would have been professional baseball, and they didn't play. Parallel universes, you guys. Like, maybe watching... Airbud seventh inning fetch, thinking that there's other realities out there might be the way to go. Just going to throw that out there. We are also introduced during this montage of the first set of games to something that is sort of like a matrix style effect of the ball. What do they call it? Bullet yes. time in the matrix? But the ball would go. Yep. And it would spin very rapidly. Mm -hmm. I and I was like, well, this is a weird choice that all of a sudden you have these like sort of uh, Bugs Bunny esque things. But then I realized why they did it because when Air Bud finally comes up to bat, which he hasn't yet, and it's he still won't for quite some he, he, some additional time. It, it's going to be a while. So they had to come up with a realistic looking fake baseball for him to hit because he basically had a bat in his mouth and swung it. And then they composited the baseball on top. But then it made the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh noise. because uh, And that's funny. Is it? Is it really funny? And also the way they would catch the ball. Like when Tammy, there was a pop-up at one point where she goes to catch it. And just the way it kind of like slowly lands into her mitt. Almost as if someone's placed it there. That was 
It was very Bugs Bunny-esque. We're now deep into the baseball part, and it is clear that the the makers of the film aren't interested in the baseball story at all because this montage goes from September 11th, 2001, which is when their first game was, to October 1st. At the so that that is the end of the montage. Uh, a couple quotes from the newspaper I do have to throw in. Things like "outstanding" is the only word that can describe Tammy at the moment. Also, seeing again that Randy is on the path to retirement. Tammy let him pitch a slow and steady game, and then Tammy ended up earning her twentieth victory as a catcher. <laughs> I mean, she could do it all: catch, pitch, play the outfield. Uh, and apparently decide Coach. that Randy could start uh, a game. So, yeah, the Fernfield Gazette is off the rails, and I love it. I think the editor is drunk. That's the only explanation. And in that town, I think that makes sense. You know, a lot of people go out to Snoqualmie Falls for the Twin Peaks tour. A lot of people go to Forks for the Twilight tour. But no one uh, ever seems to go to Fernfield. Maybe we should start a a Fernfield uh, bus tour. Let's do it. We can can even use that bus they had that looked like it was a Canadian bus. Did you notice that it had a maple leaf on it, by the way? Ginormous maple leaf. Yes, that was heading to Seattle. So that was heading to Seattle from Fernfield, Washington. Jackie, we have already alluded to the fact that Randy is a jerk face mm-hmm. and kind of a punk. At this point, it's safe to say that the T-Wolves are crushing it. Tammy earned her 20th victory, according to the newspaper. They are playoff bound. Things are actually looking great. This team has come yes. together largely thanks to Tammy, still no last name, in a kind of a decisive game. And of course, everything happens with two outs in the ninth inning. Right, because that's all baseball movies should do that. Just cut right to the chase. At that point, Tammy calls for a fastball. Randy is pitching, even though allegedly he was on the path to retirement. He shakes off the fastball. Tammy knows that this is a fastball is going to get this hitter out. He shakes her off again and then plunks her. He plunks his own catcher on the elbow. And we think he might have broken her elbow at one point, and then we're reassured later that it's badly bruised. Right. And I think it was to kind of exemplify the fact that he was burnt, like he had basically lost control and he couldn't pitch anymore. I think he was mad at her. She was calling for a pitch he didn't want to throw. Maybe maybe he was burned out. It, I mean, because you probably he, paid more attention to the nuances than I than I did, you, to be totally you, honest. So it, maybe it, he plunked her on purpose would have been which really would have been a little bitch move. But they are junior high school students. Yeah. He even if he plunked her accidentally, it was kind of a little bitch move. Uh, mm-hmm. regardless of the intention. Uh, Randy's actions have now caused this 10-person baseball team to become a 9-person baseball team, which means that the ninth person is Andrea. All right, put me in, coach. I'm not ready to play. So now Andrea has to come in. And, of course, as we know, Andrea sucks. She can't play baseball. She hasn't really been practicing, it feels like, right? Like, we never really see any practicing up until this point. Andrea can't pitch. Andrew can't hit. And now Tammy is on the on the IL. She's injured. 
And so now they've got to play Andrea, and Andrea is not very good. She strikes out. Randy's pissed off. Everyone's pissed off. They're losing games now. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it to the playoffs. Not with Andrea. Come on. They're now so bad. In fact, that in one of the many Bud cutaway shots, you see a very fake paw. That was chef's kiss so bad that I I actually love that. That was might have been one of the better, better shots in the movie. I do love me, you know, one of those weird, like I'm trying to make the animal look like he's reacting to something that's going on. The visual equivalent of a sad trombone. (laughs) Exactly. And now while this is going on, several more dogs are kidnapped, right? Like Zach gets kidnapped, right? Striker gets kidnapped from Striker Fusilli. gets kidnapped. Hey, Where did my dog go? And of course, what's weird about this is it's clearly like a, a kidnapping ring of the dog of these dogs in a small town. And very few people seem to be upset about this. I mean, these dogs are like the whole reason this town is, you know, on the map and everyone seems excited about them. And yet, we just Dogs see that everyone knows. Everyone knows and reacts to. They're just like disappearing. Like, and can I just like digress for another minute here? Time frame wise, how long has the mad scientist been holding on to these dogs, right? Like, how long has he not had time to extract whatever it was he was going to extract, or does he need all of them to extract their DNA or whatever he's going to do? Like, I don't really understand why, like, what he's like, where they are, what he's doing with them. No one's noticed at the trailer park that he lives in. Like, these dogs would probably be, well, I guess they're well trained, so they're, but they might be barking because, you know, they're smart enough to be like, let me out of here. Jackie, it was clearly established in the first 30 seconds of the 90-second establishing scene that they need all the dogs to yes. be able to get this. this all the, super but does not gene. explain why they would need all the dogs to get the super sports gene. I mean, anyway, but also like I also don't understand like how long it's been since they've had these dogs, why no one's upset. Seems like it's a fairly small town. No one's checked out like the outskirts where the trailer park where the mad scientist lives. Feel like if you're in a small town, you'd know you had a mad scientist living around there. But hey, who am I? It's the magic of the movies. I mentioned uh, Twin Peaks a little bit earlier. There is a scene that I think would have been excellently directed by David Lynch as more dogs are getting kidnapped. The pickup basketball game in the park is now just down to one person. Yes, I did know that. Right, exactly. One person. Who is bricking shot after shot. Yep, as you would do. And then Bud walks past, Mm. and the guy decides to go over and talk to Bud, and then says, hey, be careful. Keep the faith. And then he bricks his next shot and then forlornly hangs his head kind of in the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas kind of way. Totally, totally. That might be the best scene of the whole movie for me because uh, there's like, there's actually like sort of metaphor and richness, but also it's terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. We eventually get a montage of Bud helping Andrea practice baseball. Wait, what? Bud helps? He's involved in a baseball game? Exactly. He knows how to play baseball and he's, he's helping Andrea. He's like working the pitch machine. And Mark, you had to notice the god-awful song that was playing during this montage that made me want to gouge out my eardrums. Oh, Take they were me, all I'm ready. I mean, this was so but this they were all bad, but this one I felt like was particularly grating. Like with some of the lyrics were Take Me, I'm ready to play. Hey team, I'm ready to play. Going all the way to the Hall of Fame. It was so bad. 
so bad. That horrible tune is playing as Andrea's learning how to play baseball. And we also learn that Buddy can bat. Yes, he can also feed the pitching machine. Well, feeding the pitching to, machine to, is, to, that to makes com- sense, to, right? To comic effect. And I love how they sped up the footage of that to make it silly. Oh, very silly to see, like, all the balls are coming at on Andrea at once. And now she's, oh, my God, Buddy, what's he doing? But, yes, we learned that Buddy can also, he can bat, which, of course, I mean, I don't see why not. He can do everything else. Okay, at some point, and I don't know who is to blame for this. I'm going to blame one of the the adults, and clearly Andrea's parents are distracted by Josh leaving and, and baby Noah baby. actually being two girls and and things like that. But if exactly. you're putting a baseball team together in Fernfield, Washington, where everything is possible, why wouldn't you start by seeing, do you think the dog could play? You would think. You would think. Your dad, it ends up being a freaking think. surprise. It's I like, know. oh my God, it's Buddy. Exactly. So now Andrea can play suddenly. She's like pitching. She's hitting. Thanks to Buddy. Thanks to Buddy. Like she goes from zero to hero in like a matter of a montage of a 60 second montage. I don't recall now. I'm sorry. You probably took better notes than I did. Why are they down a player so that Buddy Buddy suddenly gets to come in and, and save the day? What happens? Oh, I think it's because Randy's arm is gassed falls or something. Off. That's right. Yeah. Randy's arm falls off. So, um, oh, actually, and 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 I think yes. And I noticed, and again, sort of screenwriters with no basic understanding of baseball, that when the pitcher comes out, you generally shift them. If the right fielder came in to pitch, you would generally send the pitcher to right field. Right. But the, the coach says, "No, we only have to. We can only have two outfielders now." And it's like, okay. Well, he can't play, apparently, so. But also, I want to say that Andrea does a little bit of a Tammy flex and essentially says, I won't play unless Bud can play. And I think at this point, the coach is like, who gives a shit? Like, let's just let the dog play also. And I love her reaction. She's like, well, I'll be. Don't forget what the OCD umpire says. Yes, that's right. This game's going to the dog. Someone had to someone had to put in that line. I think that's probably got to be the hard part about doing so many Air Bud movies is that at mm-hmm. some point you you must have already used all of the dog jokes. You would think. Actually, Jackie, would you like to know what I rate this movie? I give it a canine. Ooh. Out of a hundred. Ooh. <laughs> At this point, too, I've also noticed that the other team, when the dog enters the game, the other team is not consulted, nor does anybody actually seem to notice. Can I just also bring up something, too? Buddy does not go to this junior high school, right? So don't doesn't the team have to be made up of junior high school players? You get extra credit for considering eligibility. <laughs> I mean, right? Can you just grab any random person? Like, could I, like I've been in the stands and been like, I can play first base. That happens in hockey, right? They call like people out of the stands to be the um, the third emergency goalie or whatever. So I, I'm going to allow it. Also, sure. everything is possible. That is fair. We do we do get a lot of like you know panning over that sign. It's not just in the beginning. It's a couple of, a couple of times throughout the movie. Yes, it's possible. It's very evident at this point to me. This is where I really noticed that the OCD ump uh, Mm -hmm. is not 
at these games. And he was clearly edited in because you can see other people behind the plate calling the game. I got to go back to the newspaper. And again, we it's now October 25th, 2001. October in Washington State is lovely. It's not like it's raining all the time so that, you know, playing baseball is possible. Actually, if you read the fine print on the Fernfield Gazette, because since I freeze-framed it, I read everything. Oh. Um, the sun set later in October than it did in September. So Wow. I mean, it, it's a magical place. Every, everything is possible. We do need to go there, Mark. We need to go I, to this, to this I, magical Fernfield, Washington. I, I feel like we should go right now, yeah. But the main story, despite the fact that all of the beloved dogs seem to be disappearing and no one seems to understand that they're all related and that they're all good at sports, mm-hmm. um, the Gazette goes with the headline, Fernfield on Fire. I'm just going to read you the lead for the okay. for the main article. The words roll off your tongue as you cheer the name Andrea Fram. That name, like many names before her, will not be forgotten. That name, like many names before her, will, will not, not be, forgotten. be forgotten. Wow, that is, wow. Like many names. According to the newspaper, Tammy is continuing her hitting streak, even though she's wearing a even sling. She, her, her elbow is uh, is not working. Wow. she's Well, Tammy is a great player, so I, I yeah. believe it. Okay. I also need to throw this in because also from the same article, Fernfield on fire. Let's just say Fernfield over and over and we'll just edit all those in for every time we say Fairfield. In the middle of that article, this paragraph really jumped out to me. One can only hope Buddy or his pups are never exploited for this seemingly super sports ability. Oh, so that was some foreshadowing that probably would have been nice early on or, you know, not on a spinning newspaper you had to freeze. It might have also been a weird meta commentary on the producers of the film exploiting uh, any number of dogs. Mm. No dogs were harmed, though. No animals were harmed in the making of the movie. I don't know if you saw that in the credits. Should we go to the championship? Is it time for the, the big yeah, let's, game? Let's, let's, why don't we take a break and let's let's see if we can... Wrap up this wonderful, wonderful film. It is October. It's the big game. The junior high school championship. (laughs) The Timberwolves versus the Baboons. The Baboons, the defending champion Baboons. We don't know where the Baboons are from. Do we know what high school they play in? Or like I, where any of these teams are from? It, they, they they're from the city that is um, it ironically shares the same last name with uh, Tammy. <laughs> ah, okay. It's okay. just pro- it's pronounced silently. It's, it's, it's a silent baboons. s. <laughs> also, interesting choice, baboons. I highly commend it because it's you know out of the ordinary. Yeah, probably only creative thing in this movie. What's the one thing that could keep key members of the team? And remember, there's now only three good members of the team. Right, because now what we've got to remember, what we forgot to um, say is that Tammy is back. Tammy is back, and she's ready to play in the playoffs. So her elbow is healed. You know, she's young. She's got magical healing powers. So Tammy's back. Yes, and Andrea's mad because there was some uh, slow simmering resentment there, and they Andrea goes oh, off right. on Tammy, 
So while Tammy and Andrea are beefing, Bud gets kidnapped. Finally, it's his turn. It is his turn. I mean, he is probably the dog you wanted more than any of the others. He's the unicorn, but he, of course, you save the best for last. It's just very conducive to a dramatic conclusion of the movie, which starts at the one hour mark of the movie, by the way. Mm -hmm. The final scene starts with 30 minutes left in the movie. Yep. I did time that because I was like, how much more time do I have? Oh, no. As you will recall, most of my notes do begin with, oh, no. (laughs) And it's like, when is something going to happen? Mm -hmm. So Bud gets kidnapped. Now, I alluded earlier that Andrea, although she originally sucked at baseball, she was always good at cycling. Do we mention the fact that her watch is missing? Josh's watch. Oh, sorry. Because that's that's a plot point. That's a plot point as well. Go ahead and tell us about Josh's dumb watch. So that's one of the things she's looking for josh's watch and she can't find it she dropped it it fell off her her the velcro let go of it it was in, it was actually dropped in the dugout yeah. um, so they're looking where do you look you look on the field because she had it on her backpack so of course it would end up on the field again shame on you jackie this is a throwback to season one of bad hops when you told us the story of manny ramirez losing a, losing a his, piece of jewelry on the field losing his, di- his giant diamond stud earring yes it's just right it's it's reminiscent of that you were you sure. were selling yourself short by not uh, acknowledging that but yes you immediately look in the deep grass of the outfield rather than in the dugout where you always throw your backpack and so what happens is I think the raccoon notices, so the infamous raccoon notices the the watch and comes out with the watch. And that's how he lures Buddy, because Buddy is trying to help Andrea find the watch. So yes. you know, key plot point this this watch. So there's that going on. Andrea and Tammy are are arguing and they make up immediately. And then oh no. Buddy's been kidnapped, and like you said, that's when they get into the, the two of them. They form their peloton for the yeah. tour, de, tour de Fairfield, Fernfield, tour de Fernfield. Fernfield. Excuse me, Fairfield, Fernfield, whatever. And so the girls all ask, following the kidnappers in their funky, weird European hatchback thing. With the vanity plate on it, the very clearly written vanity plate. Of mini-me, yes. Mini-me, <laughs> Of course, the girls managed to give good chase on the bicycle. It's noticeable enough that Sheriff Bob, who is in for his, I think, third haircut at Fusilli's Barbershop. Which, by the way, his hair always looks too long. So, yeah, not sure what's going on there at the, the barbershop. So they're chasing now, trying to get Buddy. But meanwhile, there is a big game. There is a championship game going on right now. And the three star players are missing. I also love how the parents are really unfazed that their 13-year-old daughter is nowhere to be found. Like, I don't know. Do you think she forgot? Like, she, she I mean, Tammy's not there. Her, Tammy, Tammy's parents aren't even at the championship game. Like, there's no parent. Like, her mom who has yeah. been at games, she's not there. So they're like, well, maybe she's with Tammy. It's like, well, Tammy's supposed to be there, too. Like, nobody seems that upset that these kids are missing. I guess but- it also seems relevant to point out that the Girls are at the ballpark looking for the watch, mm-hmm. and it's about 10 to 15 minutes before the game starts, but the stadium is empty, and so the kidnappers are able to kidnap Air Bud uh, 10 minutes before the championship game yep. starts because apparently they've not opened the the ticket window. And nobody's warming up. Nobody's, you know, practicing on the field. 
it's then quickly established that the game has to start without the three players. And, the, and Coach Crenshaw basically just in her plucky charm that she has is like, we got to do what you got to do. Like we're going to have to do the best with we can with whatever team we've got. Platitudes, platitudes, platitudes. I guess because it's a Disney adjacent movie, it's we don't need to belabor too many no. of the points here because there's a chase. yeah, there's a chase. Oh, chase to a pigsty. I wonder if the kidnappers are going to end up driving their dumb car into the pig mud. There is zero suspense in this. So they chase. They Absolutely get to none. none. Like, like there's no suspense. Like zero suspense. Like. They get you where the Breaking Bad trailer is, where these poor dogs are. With the, yeah. by the way, did you notice these strategically placed IAMS bags of dog food throughout the trailer? I did. <laughs> mm, that's that's some delicious dog food. I sure like them right now. Exactly. So they, that you know, they does Buddy get out before he tricks yeah. the raccoon into that's opening right. the cage because they have an exchange. Yeah, because Buddy actually manages to get the keys to the mm-hmm. to the cages but he can't open them himself but he gets the raccoon to do it and then immediately bugs out andrea and tammy have caught up and they uh, essentially assist in uh, setting all the dogs free and so the dogs are now all safe they're all running as a pack as part of the peloton in the the mm-hmm. tour de fernfield tour de fernfield but the game is going on and the game <laughs> Not going well. I will give them credit for a little creating a little bit of tension, just mm-hmm. a, a skosh of tension. They actually managed to get to the seventh inning stretch before the girls make it back to the game. The girls and the dogs. And the dogs all running through the outfield fence. Also, did you notice when they do the seventh inning stretch in Fernfield? After the end of the sixth inning. I noticed that, too. <laughs> Not in the middle of the top and the bottom of the seven. Yes. yes. And they sing a very forlorn. A, for, uh, a forlorn. A, forlorn. A I yes. can't. You know, it's sorry. It's my it's my my Long Island accent coming out there. But the rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Everyone is it, very. That's what everyone is very sad. They're losing. Their kids might have, you know, been kidnapped no, by a serial no, killer. No, 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 no. They're no. sad that they're losing. Not that about the really, girls disappearing. They, they don't they, really there see... Is a, there is a little bit of, like, I don't know where they are. Where do you think? Like, but, like, nobody, you know, the guy, the dad who's from that horrible TV show, Home Improvement, like, nobody's looking for these kids. Anyway. That boy, the, the melancholy of that take me out to the ball game, because it is take me yeah, out to the ball game. And it's like, exactly. okay, we get it. Your team is losing. Your kids are missing. Exactly. But, uh, Your kids are missing. The dogs are missing. Like things are, are like uh, things are awry and idyllic for and field, right? But, the, but, but it really but, seems but, to like, be the fact that the baboons are up seven to one at the. But this junior but, high school baseball championship has got you bummed. Yeah, seems seems realistic. So what do you think happens? The dogs miraculously made it back. The girls miraculously made it back. There's only a couple innings left. Gosh, what happens? Are they going to make up this big deficit that they they dug themselves into, that the the Timberwolves have dug themselves into? Can Tammy, Buddy, and Andrea help lead the Timberwolves to victory? What do you think? Can they overcome their own fears and insecurities to make something good of their situation? 
They do. <laughs> Who do you think is the last batter? That actually, I, if I had, before I started watching this, I would have been shocked if it wasn't Buddy. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's Andrea, the what girl that nobody that? likes. <laughs> you really hate Andrea. Well, you really and, do. Randy doesn't like her. Also, you know, I thought like I'm going to digress here. He says she stinks. <laughs> you know, I I'm going to digress here for a moment. They didn't go there, but I was waiting for like maybe like Randy to end up being the love interest because you know at that age when they boys hate the girls, they really like the girls. So I was waiting for him to like maybe ask her up, but they didn't go there, which actually I was happy with. Like, you know, yeah, but it. it Definitely, ha- but it definitely. I wonder if they flirted with that option at any point. So now, no pun I've, intended. So Randy's on third. Andrea's up to bat. At some point, somebody said this movie is not going to make it to ninety minutes unless we do something different. Let's slow everything down. And so Andrea's final at bat. Literally, like the whole thing takes place at like twenty five percent speed. Yeah, it's it really, just it, it really painfully does. slow. Andrea, she's down 0-2. She's swinging at everything. But, of course, with two strikes. Down to her final strike. She gets a piece of it. Do do, do the Timberwolves have a rally in their bones? Sorry, I'll I'll stop talking over you again. (laughs) And then she forgets to run. This yes, like, I love that she. Uh, yeah, she's admiring. I'm like, who is she? Josh Donaldson, like admiring, like her, her, you know, her not home run. Like I didn't understand what was going on there. I guess we forgot to mention that Josh has also surprisingly shown up. No, no one was missing him, but he shows up in a cab right after the girls and the dogs come back safely. Of he shows up in a cab. I think he took a cab from Seattle. How much did that cost? Or maybe it was from the bus station. Maybe it's from the bus station. Maybe from the bus station. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to get from Fernfield to Seattle. It seemed like it was long because why wouldn't his parents have just driven in there? I like, like, so I, anyway, I know I'm trying to apply logic and reason to something that has no logic and reason. So yes, mid-October, he's got nothing to do. He's not worried about being a freshman in college. He wants to see his sister's junior high baseball championship game. Thank God he's there because he is the voice of reason when Andrea is admiring her home run. He yells, run! That's all he yells. Tammy yells, run. But then it turns out it's not a home run. It's a heck of a drive to the right field fence. And guess what happens? The baboons right fielder from the defending junior high champions, the baboons, the right fielder suddenly becomes enfeebled. <laughs> he has butterfingers. He can't pick it up. He's like, he can't, like, it can't even walk. Over. He trips I'm and sorry. then he like reaches and he falls short of reaching the ball. And it was really contrived. Like it was just bad. <laughs> Um, I will also say with seven minutes left in the movie, we see an additional member of the coaching staff for the first time. There is suddenly a third base coach who just materializes to foolishly wave Andrea in. The game would be tied and you'd have a runner on third. But instead, you take this person who is somehow legged out a triple after not getting out of the box. Yep. uh, And it's like, go for it. And of course, she does it of course she slides yeah, I was in. Tr- when that was happening i was like wait how many runs do they have do they just tie it like i don't understand like why would you yeah the timberwolves win i think probably also in the alternate universe they've already like won and got well, the and, su- super platinum trophy and i mean tammy pitched a no hitter so she won the mvp in the multiverse of yes <laughs> so we get a little closure randy gives andrea the game ball 
and says, you deserve this. So apparently whatever Randy's whole deal with Andrea is, that's resolved. Josh says, I came to see you, and that's all Andrea needs to hear. Not a single person mentions that the dogs were kidnapped No, after and, this point. And now the right, the, the mad scientists are in the pig pen, right? Because they ended, we, did we mention that they ended up? Oh, yeah. It's worth mentioning because once they got in the pig pen, then they kept falling down again and again and again and again and again. And actually, I noticed at, at one point, um, Jay Brazo, who plays the mad scientist, he grabs his sidekick and kind of throws him into the mud like to make like they're supposed to be fumbling. It was quite obvious yeah. he was throwing him in there. And the sheriff shows up and, of course, you know, finds this hysterical. Yes. And calls them varmints. Varmints. Yeah, varmints. So that's the end of the movie, or wait, is it? Wait, but you forgot that Andrea <laughs> okay. was named MVP of... And, Andrea was named MVP. That's, exactly. Uh, I, I think that was a little obvious, a little on the nose. It should have exactly. been Tammy. Tammy was... I mean, it should have been Buddy. Sorry. Anyway. Anyway, so that's the end of the movie. The movie's over. Or... Uh -huh. Nine months later, guess who's having a baby? <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Is there going to be another Noah? Another yeah. baby girl I, Noah? I really thought this was going to be, like, the worst, like, ending that, like, the parents who already had baby Noah and kind of alienated Andrea in the process were going to have another baby. Um, no. Andrea, the phone rings. Andrea gets a call. It's for Buddy. It's the Anaheim Angels. And they want... Airbud to come join the Angels. So nine months later from October, mm -hmm. that would be July. I should have done the math on this one. I'm shocked you didn't do the math. You're you're yeah. you're usually better at this than I am. July of 2002. Yeah, July. It is July. The Angels call in July of 2002 asking if the dog that plays baseball could come join the Angels. How does a rally monkey feel about that though? So long story short, and I do mean long story short, because a dog joins a MLB team and wins the World Series, that sequence was less than 90 seconds. It was just like, it wasn't even a montage. It was just like, this happened, this happened, this happened. Anyway, the World Series MVP is Airbud. The Angels win. This is a fun fact. And I don't, yeah. Jackie, I don't know if you know this or not. Can you tell me the name of the actual... 2002 World Series champion in the movie, in this very fake movie, The Angels Won. Yes, and in the real world, The Angels Won. And when I saw that, it kind of blew, because I knew the movie came out in 2002, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure The Angels Won in 2002, but this movie couldn't have been made in 2002. It was made in 2001. I'm like, did they add this towards the end? But no, Air Bud's seventh inning stretch actually predicts the winner of the World Series. Yeah, so they really should be making more of these movies just in order to help prophecy fate. Again, the multiverse in action. And God, I think I mentioned to you, I'm like, wow, the Anaheim Angels uniform in 2002 was hideous. Absolutely hideous. I forgot how hideous those, those uniforms were. And they were playing the San Diego Padres in the World Series. The one player you actually get to see, and I'm pretty sure it's B-real footage, is Ryan Klesko in a Padres uniform, heading into the final double play that ends the game and, and cinches it for the Angels. And of course, Bud uh, tags him out at first. Let us come back with some final thoughts and let's see what else we've got. All right, Mark, you want to wrap up our Bud buddy and the 
seventh inning fetch. I think you have some random fun facts. Well, I want to point some fingers. I want to assign some blame here. The Airbud franchise wheels and deals more than a GM at trade deadline. Mm. Um, Cynthia Stevenson played the mom, and she was kind of a bad mom. She kind of ignored Andrea and kind of helped create the moody alienation that uh, seemed to rub me the wrong way through most of the movie. Cynthia Stevenson was not the original mom in this series. She was not in the first Air Bud, and then she came back for one, then she sat out World Pup, and then kind of became the face of the franchise as the mom. She was married to four different husbands in the movie. Uh, including Richard Karn from Home Improvement twice. But essentially, the husband, the stepdad of Josh and Andrea, was played by a different actor in each movie, or at least ah. like from movie to movie. And then Caitlin Walks was our third Andrea. But of course, uh, she went from being a baby to a teenager, so I will... Uh... You'll allow it. Now, I was going to say, Cynthia Stevens, who plays mom, Jackie Fram, by the way, just wanted to mention oh. that. She felt like she was actually in some good movies. She was in Jennifer's Body, which is a great cult classic, good for spooky season. And she was in The Player. So, I mean, a lot of yeah. these cast members, I mean, I guess the probably the most famous would be the dude from Home Improvement, because that was a big popular show, even though I hated it, who is also a Seattle native, by the way. I did not Richard know Richard Karn, born in Seattle. Okay. He was also in Pen 15, which I didn't, a, a very quirky show about middle schoolers. Played by 40-year-old women. Played by, played by adults. It's it, it's really good, but also really disturbing because you know like that they're actually in their 30s. And yeah, um, he's in that. So like so some of these actors have been in some really interesting things. And you're like, you know, this is the trajectory of a career. You win some, you lose some, but you want that paycheck. Well, speaking of paychecks, who did this? Robert Vince is the name of the guy that's the brains of the whole Airbud operation. Okay. Before Airbud, he directed erotic thrillers starring Richard Grieco. That one was called Tomcat, Dangerous Desires. And one starring Molly Ringwald oh. uh, titled Malicious. I know we're this is a long episode. Can I just read you the entire Wikipedia entry for Malicious? Sure. Malicious is a 1995 Canadian-American erotic thriller starring Molly Ringwald and Patrick McGaugh. The plot follows a star college baseball player who has a fling with a disturbed medical student and begins to stalk him. The film's main character has been discussed by psychiatrists and film experts and has been used as a film illustration for the psychiatric entity known as Borderline Personality Disorder. But wow. it's another baseball movie that we need to watch, an erotic thriller starring an erotic, I mean, are we going to be able to discuss it on a family podcast, well, though? No, that's, uh, yeah, that's... We can thing. clean it up. We yeah. can clean it up. We can use we'll euphemisms. Just, we'll get the beeper out. Exactly. We'll get the beeper out for that one. I think that's probably what appealed to Harvey Weinstein. I, like, I like <laughs> the cut of your jib, Robert Vince, uh, all these erotic thrillers. So after he did Air Buddy, cleaned up his act, he, I think, was uh, maybe didn't even do anything PG. I think most of it was like rated G stuff. And ever since he took over Air Bud in the late 90s, he just makes endless shows and movies and franchises about animals who do human stuff. Air Bud, Air Buddies, Santa Buddies, Most Valuable Primate. Oh, God. And Pup Star. Wow. So this is his niche, huh? What if animals did funny things? Mm -hmm. It's the Robert mm -hmm. Vince story. 
We're sorry, everybody. We are. Um, but you didn't have to watch it. You could just listen to us talk about it. And that's a little bit better than what we had to go through. So, Jackie, I'm sorry we had to do this. But this was a, the antidote to our deep bummer episodes. It certainly took my mind off of being absolutely stressed out by the whole Montreal Expo situation. For sure. It For sure. It did. You know, everything is possible. I cannot wait to go to Fernfield. That would be All amazing. Right. Let's do road trip. The fans are heading home. The grounds crew is on the field. And we will see you next time at the ballpark. That's our pal Ron Lewis on the stadium organ. I'm Jackie McCucci. And I'm Mark Butler. And this was Bad Hops. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this podcast without the express written consent of Bad Hops is prohibited. Unless you like us, review us, or subscribe to Bad Hops. Find us at at Bad Hops on Insta and everywhere else. This game has gone to the dogs. Woof. Woof.